0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible-carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. Oh, wait.
1: It's Advent. Not yet, it's Advent. Mm -hmm. Jake, how you doing as we uh, launch into a new liturgical year? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's hard to believe that we have been uh, through uh, this cycle once. And so, and here we go into year A. And so, a new year, a new liturgical year, um, and with an emphasis in Matthew's gospel. Yeah, that's right. So, uh,
0: for those of you that maybe are new to the lectionary in the revised common lectionary, which we're using, and most Mayline uh, churches do, as well as Catholic churches, uh, there are three years, A, B, and C. We just finished year C, and we're sort of beginning the cycle again on Año A. And uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> just uh, speaking Nick's, Jake's true uh, mother tongue.
1: That's Eric. right. And so um, a lot of people, though, um, you know, whether you um, go to the, the CVS pharmacy or whether you're at the Duane Reed or whether you're at the Circle K, or uh, most of the department stores, Christmas has come, and, um, and uh, it is alive and well with holiday cheer. And, uh, but for the church, we are in what's called the season of Advent, also known as um, the season of expectation and coming. Now, uh, I know there's a lot of Advent police out there, and uh, the very mention of the word Christmas before the 25th is verboten, Um, However, I do want to say as a pastor, you have to remember that uh, where your congregation is at is probably in the midst of Christmas. And, uh, And with all of that comes the holiday anxiety, the holiday pressures... The mm. holiday stress of the whole year. And so um, the last thing anybody needs is the Advent police as a pastor. Uh, what they need is a good pastor. But nonetheless, uh, you are called in that moment to teach about the season of Advent. Aaron, what are some of the, the defining aspects of the season of Advent?
0: Well, at St. Albans, we've repurposed the Maypole and it turned it into an Advent pole. <laughs> We bring out. Uh, just kidding. Uh, Elf on the Shelf. We've 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 done that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we. So I think you're exactly right, and thank you for saying that. You don't want your church so focused on Advent that. Because this is a time where you have new people coming to church. There's a, usually a December bump in attendance as people are getting ready for Christmas and they want to be good so they get what they want from Santa. Um, and so they're going to come expecting Christmas and if you're so adventy and so dour, um, and so lacking in the joy of the season, uh, you risk uh, doing some damage to the mission uh, and being uh, sort of not as sensitive to the people. However, I, you know, on the other hand, you don't want to fill the whole nave with mm-hmm. Christmas trees and... Uh, and just be singing carols all season long. So at Saint Albans, um, we'll use those Advent carols that are also known as—I mean, some people like "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel" is really an Advent song, but we'll use that extensively throughout the Advent season, and that sort of says Christmas. We're we are we're tastefully spare in our decorations. We will put a few garlands and wreaths up, but not go crazy. Um, not a lot of lights or anything like that. But we do kind of nod that there's something, as you said that's Time of Advent is a time of the getting ready for the coming of Jesus Christ, both his first and second coming. So, um, I think it's okay to be be tasteful, understated, subtle with some some decorations. You, some churches will put out the crèche, but without any of the Holy Family in it. So, you'll put out the the stable or whatever you have there, and then uh, you know you may put a few cows and sheep and stuff like that. So, there's different ways of doing it. Um, what do you do at uh, at we do St. that. G. We,
1: you know, we set up, so uh, especially the first Sunday of um, Advent, we, um, we all of the music is sung a cappella. And so to remind us of um, the Psalms where it says, let everything that has voice praise the Lord. And uh, that's an Advent tradition. Um, we set up the Koresh and we put everything in there but the family. And uh, so to let everybody know that, um, that mm-hmm. Jesus um, has come, and because He has come, uh, He will come again, and uh, and then also the lighting of the Advent wreath, and that's a that's a very important thing. The Advent wreath. There are four Sundays traditionally in um, in Advent, yep. and it represents each 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 Sunday another candle is lit, and it represents the light coming into the world, with the cent- center candle being lit on Christmas Eve. So. Um, so there's a lot of things, but um, you can really uh, do a lot of stuff on expectation and, um, and expectations fulfilled and met. You know, sometimes expectations can be resentments waiting to happen. And so but uh, in Jesus, the expectation has been fulfilled. And um, and so um, and he's fulfilled all of them for you. And so that's something you really want to hit on. Um, I love those hymns like "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel" and "Lo, He Comes on Clouds Descending," and uh, all of them. They're great. Yeah, and I think the way that we observe
0: Advent, at least in the Episcopal Church, is a real gift to your people if you make sure you explain it. Mm-hmm. Explain what the word means. It comes from the Latin word for coming or arriving, and uh, you know, put something in the bulletin and then explains what it is for folks that come in from other traditions so that they know why it doesn't feel Christmassy yet and why you're singing Mm. these hymns. And yeah, you're right because so much of life is waiting and uh, expecting and being delayed and sort of in the waiting room. And so Advent is the part of the liturgical year that helps make sense of those times in your life that you feel like you're not arrived. I mean, uh, you and I know so many people, Jake, in, in, whether they're other clergy or just in life in general, they're sort of waiting for something around the bend. And once that next thing arrives, uh, things will be okay. Mm-hmm. But while you're stuck in the now, it's frustrating. And, um, Churches that to, to skip Advent to get to Christmas is sort of like this part of the year's equivalent of skipping over Good Friday to get to Easter. Like we always want to get yeah. to the happy conclusion of everything, the happy resolution, uh, because living in the waiting is hard. We don't like the ambiguity. We don't like the tension. We don't like all of that. So these are all themes that if you can talk about, it can make people in your congregation feel seen and known and heard and like, oh, my gosh, God is even in the waiting, too. He's he's not only on the Victory Day celebration. He's also uh, in the long slog before you get to that. So anyways, because I, I get most of the people in your pews are waiting for something to get better as opposed to being in the good and happy now. So that's what Advent is good for. So let's turn to these readings. Let's do the colic first, because this is one of those days that uh, all four Sundays in Advent, the colics are incredible. Uh, this one is, uh, you can see, what's cool about it is that as your congregation prays it, they'll be prepped to hear it again because you hear it in the Romans reading for this Sunday. So the readings are Isaiah 2, uh, Romans 13, and Matthew 24. And the Romans 13 is where this call it comes from. Give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So right there you're not saying, yes, we can. So bless us, Lord. You're saying even to cast away the works of darkness, we need grace to do so. We need your help to do so. We need your prompting to make us even want to let go of the dark things that we cling to. And we put on the armor of light. And it has this sort of, uh, I mean, armor of light. Armor is defensive. It's protection. And so um, we put this on as a way of uh, uh, protecting ourselves from the, the things in the world that would hurt us. And so, and there's the the double idea of now in this time of the mortal life uh, when when your son visit us in humility and also he'll come again in the last day in majesty. So there's this Jesus came once, but he's coming again, which is the whole idea of Advent.
1: Yeah, and it's really powerful too. You have in this collect a real um, illustration and articulation of the theology of the cross versus the theology of glory. And that Mm -hmm. in this age, um, God's glory in the face of Jesus comes to us in great humility. It comes to us first in a babe lying in a manger and in a um, carpenter rabbi from Nazareth. What good could possibly come to from Nazareth to be the man on the cross? But make no doubt about it. He is coming again, and he's coming again as a great judge, and there will be glory. But, um, but it, for now, that glory has revealed itself in great humility. And uh, that's one of the powerful things about this season of Advent is it reminds us that we live in a period of already and not yet. And yep. this is what the prophet Isaiah is looking forward to—a um, messy, a really powerful messianic age in Isaiah chapter two.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, if you want to hit on it, the the things that I would pull out of this text are um, the fact that the surprises are there's two main surprises in it um, from how people who would have heard this, uh, the people of Israel, um, they want a messianic king that is to make the Jewish people restored to their former glory and power. And yet, this prophecy says, all the nations shall stream to it. So, the the vision is much wider. The lens is a Mm wide-angle lens, not just the Jewish people, but everybody. Many people shall come and say, let us go to the mountain of Yahweh. Uh, This God is for everybody. So, that's the first really big hint of something coming that's different than what you expect. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is the fact that instead of being a king who comes to establish military dominance and beat everybody else into submission, what it says is that all the nations will beat their swords into plowshares. It means you're going to take a sword and you're going to heat it up at the blacksmith shop and bang on it until it's turned into an implement for farming. Uh, and uh, you know Shane Claiborne, the Christian prophetic voice um, uh, who's sort of famous for going into low-income neighborhoods living among the community and trying to live out the kingdom of God, uh, has taken guns and had them beaten into gardening spades, which is, this is the sort of same idea here. Uh, so he comes not as a conquering, militaristic king on riding in a tank. He comes... Uh, as a maker of peace, which of course we'll, we'll see. So those are the two big surprises. When God comes, he comes for everybody and he comes to bring peace, not right. judgment. So this is the promise in Isaiah two.
1: I love, I love the last line too. Oh, house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. Uh, the implication being that, um, you're not and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you're in darkness right now. And, uh, but the, the, the call here, so, but oftentimes people would want to see that as a choice. But the option is um, death and destruction, or mm-hmm. this beautiful opportunity to come to the mountain of Zion where his instruction goes forth, which is the gospel. And uh, this judge between the nations and arbitrating many people where the Messiah ultimately lays his life down for his people. Um, and then this profound, as you just said, sign of peace. So, but the 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 vision here to walk in the light is so much more glorious than anything Israel is walking in right now. And so that's the powerful thing. And so, and that's one of the great messages of Advent is that the light of the gospel is so much more glorious than anything you're walking in right now. Yeah, and I think so.
0: We'll see, and we can transition to Romans 13. In all these passages, there's this contrast of light and dark, or waking versus mm-hmm. sleeping. Uh, And so the invitation, you know, Fleming Rutledge talks a lot about how Advent is about how God works in the dark and in the dark places of life, the waiting rooms of life. And so you see this dark and light theme in everything. Romans 13 is St. Paul writing to a community of early Christians who might think they're awake, yet he says to them, now it's time to wake up. And salvation is even nearer. Yeah. Four-thirty. Yeah. And that's, that was mixing up a lot of uh, things there, spin doctors. and, Anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he says, lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That's where the collet comes from. And he gives us um, these lists of things where he talks about let's not do these things anymore. Um, and it's so interesting, I think, you know, reveling and drunkenness, you know, maybe we had an idea that that's stuff we shouldn't do. Uh, debauchery and licentiousness. Again, it's always so interesting. All these things come right when everybody's going to start going to the office Christmas party. Uh, so this is a word for them. But he adds some things that we might not, I know especially the Calvary St. George's staff hey, party. It's a rager. Watch out, watch out. Um, no, he says no quarreling and jealousy. And those are things we so often don't really think about, but those are also things that bring a lot of darkness into our lives. And so this is not a coming down hard kind of kill joy uh thing this is an invitation to put away things that uh hurt and destroy the creatures of god things that actually don't bring you any joy in your life i think there was an old quote in the simpsons i don't know where i heard it there's no problem in life that alcohol can't make worse
1: yeah you know so
0: (laughs) there's there's like and or whatever fill in the blank whatever your thing is uh Well, I The think, uh, things I, that distract us and keep us asleep, uh, there's sure. an invitation to come and wake up and live, yeah, live I, a vibrant life.
1: And I think that there's a lot of, the, to remember this too, is that this passage just isn't sitting on its own. Um, sometimes right. when you have the lectionary, you know, and you just pull out a section and you're like, oh, what, what is this? And you have to remember that this is written in light of all of the previous 13 chapters of the book right. of Romans, especially sure. in Romans chapter 12, where he says, therefore, in view of God's many mercies, offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. So this really is um, the description of what our life looks like in the gospel. This is actually who you are with with the armor of light upon you. and um, And... and you know and remember in this age though too is that you're not just a saint you're also a sinner and these things like reveling in drunkenness and debauchery and licentiousness and quarreling and jealousy these are oftentimes the 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 negative fruit these are the works of us trying to grab and take control of things because uh, we don't really believe that Jesus has come and we don't really believe he's coming back and right. so but you know uh, uh, when we know that he's coming And uh, we receive that by faith, and God has given us the gift to believe it. Well, then, um, you know, this description is true, and we make no provision for the flesh uh, to gratify its desires. This is who you are in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and of course he says, put
0: on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a statement sort of like, don't be righteous in your own strength and power. Don't Mm -hmm. be good Jake, don't be good Aaron, don't be good whoever you are. Um, that's not going to get you where you needed to go. What you need to do is put on the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's this gift from outside you. It's not in you. It's something that's given to you.
1: And what a great reading for Advent, which is all about life in the dark and light in the dark. In the dark, you can't see it. Um, so you have to hear it and you have to believe it. And, um, and that is uh, a powerful thing. So who you are, in the you may see sometimes reveling in drunkenness, And you may see debauchery and licentiousness, and you may see quarreling and jealousy. But in the light, uh, that's that's who you are in the dark, but in the light, you have put on the Lord Jesus. And uh, never forget that. And that's the gospel, and I think the way to preach that passage.
0: Yeah, and I would say, too, I always draw comfort from the fact that Paul has to write this at all. Like, (laughs) these are Christians he's writing to that they knew St. Paul. He had planted... Uh, churches all over the uh Mediterranean world now he's writing to the church in Rome and he hasn't visited there yet at the time that he's writing this um, so uh They may, some of them may have met him in other places, who knows, but uh, these folks by and large did not know him in person, but they knew of him and are folks who would have, I mean, these are Christians who got in on the ground floor of Christianity. This is first century stuff. I can assure you there were people in Rome because it was such a cosmopolitan place that drew from folks all over the Roman empire. There would have been people in this church that uh, knew the early apostles and all that sort of stuff and know people that had been healed by Jesus. And yet he has to write them and say, wake up mm-hmm. and put on the armor of light. And it's just, mm-hmm. it points to the Christian reality that it's not one long ascent up a ladder as we climb and get better and better every day and in every way. Um, uh, it's a returning again and again yeah. to the cross. It's returning again and again to Jesus. It's seeing again, oh, I f- i fell asleep again. Uh, I-, I picked up the works of darkness again. And now I need to come back again uh, to my Lord and put Him on and lay myself aside and uh, come back into the into the light. So um, I take comfort that Paul is writing to people who already knew the truth; they just need to be reminded of it, as we do, and they're going to need to be reminded of it again and again and again. Um, so, yeah, this is a there's some comfort in that just when you know some of that background.
1: So, um, and then this brings us to. Um... Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44, our gospel reading. And I just want to encourage everybody to uh, reuse their sermon from two weeks ago. Um, just change it's it from the same thing. To Matthew. So, hey, we're done. Now, um, I mean, it is it's very similar, the, though. It's These, all about this is eschatology. A, eschatology, everybody's favorite word. Um, and uh, But what we see here is a lot of things. and. Let me just begin by saying that everybody has an eschatology. I think that's something that people need to understand. Um, um, Pagans had an eschatology. I just came back from Mexico back in August. Um, the, the, The Mesoamericans had really powerful eschatologies. I mean, they thought the end of the world was coming too. Um, atheists have an eschatology, um, uh, uh, French existentialists, it was called, um, uh, an eschatology of despair and strength, where they would go out and meet suicide on their own terms. Um, but th- But, you know, and then we have all of the crazy Christian eschatologies. Um, I read those so you don't have to. And if you ever want to know more about them, you can uh, (laughs) give me a call. But uh, eschatologies are real and they're important because the truth is, is that everybody's going to die. Um, There is an end coming to everybody. And so uh, and Jesus, while not telling us exactly when that's going to happen, because we'd be doing everything but trusting in him. Um, he, uh, he here uh, gives us a bit of a, of a sign and of a hope uh, in the midst of it, and the, the signs are there. But the hope is, is that this is an open eschatology, not a closed one, in the sense of we don't we we know exactly when it's going to happen. It's open, and so we can treat people graciously. But I've talked a lot now, Aaron. It's your turn.
0: Well, yeah. So I want to say one thing too. It does talk about <laughs> here. There's some stuff about the rapture. Uh, nah, what people what? Will call that, which is not, it's not the rapture. Uh. It's not even, uh, I mean, it's a Blondie song, but it's also <laughs> a term that's never used in the Bible, but it is used to describe based on this passage, an idea that like the good Christians are vacuumed up to heaven. <laughs> Uh, like in those pneumatic tubes at the bank teller uh, yeah. and the bad ones stay. And so they use this thing, two will be in the field, one taken and one left, and two women yeah. grinding meal, one taken one left. And actually it does not say anything about what we normally think about the rapture. Um, that's right.
1: I, there is nothing in there that this is some sort of magic period before Jesus actually comes back. Um, and it doesn't say that the, yeah. somebody
0: is sucked up or disappears. It just doesn't say. It's it's talking, uh, well, it's talking about a lot of things, uh, but... Uh, And scholars talk about this being, again, back to stuff about the the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem or a military invasion by Rome or something. So somebody taken and somebody left could very well just be about a soldier arresting somebody, one person and not another. So anyways, this is not about the rapture, uh, especially it's for us. Um, I think what this is, the, the main idea here, the headline news here that Jesus is trying to get to people's uh, into people's brains, um, especially by bringing up the Noah example, when he talks about in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking and having a good time, uh, just like nothing was going to happen, and then the flood came. And he's trying to say, just like that, the Son of Man is going to come and you won't be ready. The idea is he's reminding us, like St. Paul says, wake up, be aware that everything that you think is... Real and concrete actually isn't. Your social media feed does not matter. Your search engine optimization has no importance. <laughs> uh, the, the Everything that you and I tend to put meaning and value into, most of it, it just has no significance whatsoever. The email that I spend so much time answering on a cosmic level means nothing. So uh, he's saying... Uh, wake up. And this is mm. sort of what Advent is about. And, you know, Jake, you and I were talking about um, this passage and saying, where is the grace in this? And I think part of the grace is the fact that God alerts us to the fact that the house is on fire and wants yes. us to get out. You know, mm-hmm. he alerts us to the fact that most of what we think is real is an illusion, and he invites us to see what's really true. Uh, that there's a bigger reality, and that there's a God who loves us and who invites us into relationship with Him. And apart from that, everything sort of is nothing. And so, um, there is great grace in coming into reality, coming into truth, finally mm-hmm. living um, not in your fake. Life, But in your real one, I think I keep coming back to something that Dave's all talked about in The Mocking Cast a few months ago with RJ and Sarah when they were quoting this article in the New York Magazine about I – like, I called it The New York Magazine because I'm from Texas and so mm-hmm. I like to add the uh, definite article there. But it was this uh, Instagram influencer who was on the cover of New York Magazine and the article was about how her whole life has been online since she was 11. And while the pictures on Instagram look like she's happy, like the ones from the Met Gala a few months ago, she says, you want to know what those actually are like? Is I had to go run into the bathroom and email my therapist because I was having such a panic attack. And so there's the grace to her is a, is a message that you can lay aside those works of darkness. You can lay aside that silly, illusory, temporary stuff. You can wake up and come into reality. And that is so... Freeing, I think, to some people. So I, that's that's where I would go with this sort of stuff. When Jesus has to keep awake, it's um, it's come into the light, come into reality, come into mm-hmm. truth. What do you what do you think, and where would you go with this, Jake?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would go the same same exact place you do, Aaron. And uh, and I would just uh, maybe maybe like the kind of the first point of this thing is that actually nobody really cares that the end is coming, even though everybody has an end. The end without a savior is so crippling that your that your natural instinct is to ignore it, and this is why Jesus compares it to the days of Noah. You know, Noah was out there as a prophet building the ark, and um, and people ignored him, and uh, and this is this is the thing is that when it comes to the end and when it comes to Jesus's warnings, one the world is normally going to reject it. Um, the second is is that indeed the the, um, the the quote-unquote rapture, if you will, at the very end of the age, not some period, you know, before seven years, before the tribulation force shows up, um, is um, there's going to be two in the field. They're going to be doing things, and one's going to leave, one's going to be there. But the truth is, is that that is at the end of the age. And so um, until then, we don't know who's who, and so we treat everybody with grace and we treat everybody with mercy now, because, um, like God, we wish no one to perish. And mm-hmm. then um, the third thing is, is that, I mean, that really this message, when you are aware of the end, well, then you cling to a Savior. And this is what keeps you awake and uh, and you're prepared. And dear listener, you are prepared. And encourage your per- parish. They are there on the first Sunday of Advent. They are prepared. And so we keep awake because we're not quite sure when it's ever going to happen. But until then, we live our lives. We treat people graciously in a world that doesn't really care. Yeah. And I think you're right. You your
0: Your congregation is prepared even if they are there on December 1st and it's the first time they've been to church in a very long time because they are clinging to Jesus and none of us are saved by the amount of times we go to church or Mm -hmm. uh, how many times um, we correct people for saying Merry Christmas during the season of Advent. You know, those things don't save us. We cling to the Lord. We put on Jesus Christ, not ourselves. And so... Uh, that's what it means to be ready is to, is to the extent we can with our limited human imaginations and finite brains to be aware of the fact that God, uh, comes to us in grace and mercy and invites us to put our faith, not in ourselves or accomplishments or anything, but in him. And if you do those things, you are, um, awake and you are ready. And as long as we keep doing that, uh, we'll have a Merry Christmas.
1: (laughs) Cool. So, um, well, um, uh, this is a perfect place to stop. So we will see you all next week. And so happy Advent, everyone. And happy. A blessed Advent to you all. Yeah, yeah. And to all a good night. See you next week.